0: Summer 2016 Anchorage, Alaska, an unknown man is randomly shooting people in the parks and bike paths of the stunning city and state known for its beauty and long summer days. When the people of Anchorage begin to buzz on their own that a serial killer is on the loose, the police keep it cool, not playing into the hysteria. After all, there was a serial killer on the loose. And it would take another random encounter to stop him. This is James Dale Ritchie, Murder in the Midnight Sun. Hey, y'all, I'm Chris Calvert.
1: And I'm her husband, Rob Powder. Welcome to Hitch to Homicide.
0: For better or worse, Until
1: Death Do Us Part.
0: Everybody, yes,
1: welcome, welcome, welcome. And for our friends in the Zulu nation,
0: oh, wow, okay, all
1: the way down to South Africa, Gyanamukila, Gyanamukela, Gyanamukela,
0: very nice, there you go. Well, wherever you're listening, be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe. You can join our closed Facebook group, The In-Laws and Outlaws. Yep. We're getting lots of people from our YouTube channel. Yeah. And speaking of, you can also watch us on YouTube. And
1: see our see our mugs on there.
0: Yeah. Thanks for all the emails. We've been getting a lot of positive feedback, yeah. a lot of great comments on the YouTube. Yep. A lot of people chiming in in The In-Laws and Outlaws. We really, really appreciate all of you guys. It's a lot of fun. It is. So much fun. We enjoy doing this. I want to thank everybody for all the extra cases, all the suggestions you guys are sending. I'm going to get to as many of them as I can. Some of you guys are picking some really good ones and things I haven't even heard of. So they're all definitely on the list. Even if you don't hear back from me, they are on the list. They're coming. They're coming. Well, today's case is really interesting. We're going all the way to the 49th state, Alaska. 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 Sitka. Alaska. (laughs) This is one of Rob's favorite movies. Oh, my gosh. The proposal.
1: (laughs) Yes, we're going to sit. Alaska, Alaska. Okay.
0: Alaska. <laughs> Before we get started, let me thank some sources. Wikipedia, The Cinemaholic, Anchorage Daily News, Oxygen's See No Evil, Murderpedia, Medium.com, HuffPost.com, The Philadelphia Inquirer, Find a Grave, and KTVV Channel 2 in Anchorage, Alaska. They did a documentary on this. It's excellent. It's called A Killer Among Us.
1: Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, you ready?
0: I am. Okay, right. Let's do this. James Dale Ritchie was born on November 4th, 1976 in Anchorage, Alaska. His parents have maintained a really low profile, so I don't have much to tell you about them. Okay. James grew up in the Wonder Park neighborhood of Anchorage.
1: Did they have Wonder Bread there? <laughs>
0: You know, when I saw that, I knew you were going to make a wonderful (laughs) comment about it.
1: The wonders.
0: (laughs) But he attended East Anchorage High School, and he's a standout student. He's an athlete, too. Okay. He's really smart. James made A's and would even score 1,200 on his SATs. Wow. He's 6'3". And he played on both the championship football team, the state championship football team, where he played alongside future NFL player Mal Tosi, Mm. who was a defensive tackle for the Arizona Cardinals for two years. And the state championship basketball team, where he played with future NBA player Trajan Langdon, who is now the GM of the New Orleans Pelicans. James is a good kid with a bright future. That's basically what I'm trying to tell you. (laughs) And one of his close friends, maybe his best friend, was a kid named Quincy Thompson and his brother Bobby. And according to Bobby, he was one of the crew. James was one of the crew. They called him Tiny.
2: Hmm.
0: I can only assume because he's 6'3". Gotcha. He hung out at the Thompson's house. Quincy and Bobby's mom really liked James. And according to Bobby, quote, he was there a lot. For days, weeks. Whenever he wanted to come to the house, he came over. My mom felt like he was her son. She loved him. End quote.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I've got a second family too, the Porocos. Uh, they're they're you my do. second family. They they sort of adopted me as their, their one of their own. I'm the uncle to all the kids in the family and the grandkids and the whole thing. So yeah, I get I know. It. I and get the mo-
0: the moment I married you, they called me Aunt Chris, which yeah, I love.
1: Absolutely. So. Love the Porocos.
0: But Bobby said his brother Quincy and Richie were best friends. Bobby thought of Richie as like a stepbrother, so sort of like you and Jim. Yeah,
1: my my best friend of 40 years.
0: As James is finishing up his senior year in 1994, he receives scholarship offers to many junior colleges and smaller colleges to play football. Nice. But James wanted to play for a D1 school. Mm -hmm. He wanted to play for a Division I school, so he applied and was accepted to the university. Of West Virginia. Oh, wow. Now, a day before he leaves Alaska, his best friend, Quincy Thompson, is lost to gun violence on August 17, 1994. Mm. And the next day, James leaves for West Virginia and he pretty much cuts ties with his family. Gotcha. So he headed off to the University of West Virginia. James decided he was going to major in chemical engineering. Hmm. And when he tried and failed to be a part of the Mountaineers football team, I mean, come on, it's West Virginia. Yeah. They have a historically ranking football program, and he's been recruited by junior colleges and smaller schools.
1: Yeah. Okay. So he's,
0: he's probably, that's probably not the place for him.
1: Yeah. yeah. He's trying to play in the big time and he just he wasn't wanted ready to be, for
0: it. Yeah. Wanted yeah. to be D1. And when he gets cut, He's taking it really hard. I'm sure. And on top of taking really hard classes in chemical engineering, he really starts to struggle. And he just stops going to class. Now, when he didn't make it in West Virginia, he comes home and slipped right into a life of drugs Mm. and crime. That's too bad. In 1996, he was charged but not convicted with promoting animal fighting. Mm. There are a couple of stories about that. I'm leaving them out. We're huge animal lovers. Yeah. Then he was dealing crack cocaine and stealing. He was charged with theft. He sold drugs off and on. And he was even involved in a drug related home invasion robbery and kidnapping. Wow. Where he taped up a completely innocent person when the robbery goes awry.
1: Wow. He went completely off the deep end. He
0: goes off the rails. He was. In a 1998 letter written by James to the judge in his case, he asks for leniency <laughs> when he's facing felony drug charges.
1: I'm sure he was begging a lot.
0: <laughs> he was. Yeah. James tells the judge that he wished he'd gone to a small school and played sports. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Quote, I lay in bed every night thinking about how I've ruined my life. Then I sit up crying, wishing I could go back to when I was in high school, end quote. Yeah. Nobody wants to go back to high school. No. No. Great time. Exactly. Glad it was over. Yep. College? I'd go back to college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that was fun.
0: His mother, in this 1998 court case against James, said, quote, I didn't even want to be around him. I didn't want him in my house. I just felt like he was a time bomb waiting to either be killed or be in jail for the rest of his life. Really? End quote. Wow. Yeah. Wow. James, in this letter to the judge, says, quote, I want to finish college. I want to raise a family. I want to buy a house. And instead, as a felon, I'll never be able to get a good job. Hmm. End quote.
1: Yeah. He's right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's got a rap sheet. He's dealing drugs. He's carrying a gun.
1: Kidnapping.
0: Yeah. But his friends say that most of it was for show. Mm-hmm. And they never thought that he would be able to kill anybody. They didn't think he was capable of murder. He would fight somebody, but he would never shoot somebody. Right. They only thought he was dangerous to himself. And his mother was actually happy because he was behind bars. Quote, he was safer in jail than he was out on the street. Wow. Wow. He would spend years in and out of prison and halfway houses. On parole in 1999, James was pulled over for driving erratically near Columbine Street and DeBar Road. Richie told the officers he'd been drinking tequila and beer and had taken two Prozac pills. Man. Officers found crack in the glove box and a loaded 45 caliber semi-automatic handgun in the passenger seat, as well as an open beer. On the passenger floor of the car. Wow. It was like the trifecta.
1: Yeah, yeah. Here, let me just put everything out here that would get me arrested.
0: <laughs> I know. Damn. Got a weapon, drugs, alcohol.
1: Hey, officer, is this a problem for you? I'm or?
0: I'm drunk and on <laughs> drugs. Jeez. That's a problem. Duh. Richie again pleads no contest to fourth degree misconduct involving a controlled substance. He was sentenced to 3 years probation.
1: Oh, he got lucky.
0: In the year 2000, Richie filed for a business license for a vending machine. Okay. He's going to operate this vending machine servicing operation called Richie Enterprises. Hmm. And he uses his parents' address. Now, it's it's really unclear whether or not it got off the ground. I'm going to say no.
1: <laughs> what was your first clue? Because
0: I know the rest of the story.
1: Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm going to say it's not going to get off the ground.
0: From 2002 to 2005, Richie was arrested several times for parole violations, mostly serving time for these violations in halfway houses. Okay. In 2005, Richie was arrested for first-degree burglary after police responded to a report of an East Anchorage break-in. Officers found a large wad of money on James, totaling almost $5,000, wow. and eight zip ties in his front coat hmm. tied into a set of flex cuffs.
1: Okay. yeah.
0: Two guns are later found in the house. The occupants of this residence said, we don't own any guns. Mm. James pleaded no contest in this place as well. It's just crazy. He spent just over two years in custody before being released on November 16th, 2007. So
1: he did serve time.
0: He's in and out of jail, in and out of halfway houses, in and out of being convicted, and in and out of being paroled. Yeah, wow.
1: Yeah, because that's the first time that I've heard that he was actually in jail. I knew no, he did, he's it, in jail. Okay, because he did halfway houses and halfway things like that. houses.
0: Yeah, yeah he's, in a, he's a little bit of everything. Okay. He's a troubled youth.
1: <laughs> you think?
0: <laughs> he's not really a youth anymore yeah, at this point. Yeah. How old is he now? Mm, two, be, old enough to know better. Okay. <laughs> that's how old he is. All right. At this point, James moves back in with his parents who are now living in Virginia. And for a little bit, he's doing well in this little town, Broadway, Virginia. It's a small town, nice people. He wasn't very outgoing, but he was helpful. He used to help his next-door neighbor's daughters with their computers when they couldn't make them work. Oh, okay. So he's the um, geek squad. Yeah,
1: he's the the in-house tech.
0: That's Rob in our house. (laughs) That's you, honey. I
1: know. That's why I'm always pulling my hair out.
0: James took class at the Blue Ridge Community College, and at 37 years old, oh, wow. he earned an associate's degree. Good for him. He wanted a job in chemical engineering. Again, he's super smart. Sure. And he even had a girlfriend for a bit, but they broke up, and I think that's part of the reason he wanted to get out of Virginia. Because by February of 2016, James Ritchie has moved back to Alaska. (laughs) He was staying at a home in Airport Heights. Nobody really thought that much about him being home. And nobody really saw the warning signs. But many people remembered weird things about him. And although James was at one time taking antidepressants, it's not really known if he was ever diagnosed officially, (laughs) With anything. Okay. Well, he ain't right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Dr. Calvert's going to diagnose him. (laughs) He ain't right. WebMD. Yeah. 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 That's what he would find. Okay. Early in the morning on July 3rd, 2016, 20-year-old Brianna Foyze and 41-year-old Jason Netter Sr., both homeless, both using drugs off and on, were on the Ship Creek Trail, which is near a homeless camp. Okay. Now I heard Ship Creek and all I could think of was Shits <laughs> Creek. <laughs> Brianna Foise was adopted from foster care by Marcella Foise when she was five years old, along with her older sister. And the girls grew up alongside four other siblings, mostly in the Anchorage area. Brianna loved Broadway musicals, same, singing, love it, not very good at it. Mm-hmm. She played sports as a kid and was known for being a spunky, outgoing girl. Oh, good. And according to her mom, quote, she was always up a tree but with a tutu on, end quote.
1: <laughs> well, there's a sight.
0: <laughs> I loved that. Yeah. <laughs> Brianna had suffered trauma in her early years before she went into the foster care system. She was later diagnosed with an attachment disorder stemming from the early abuse. She was also diagnosed with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Hmm. She attended schools in Anchorage, including Service High School, where she was known as a champion of underdogs and a defender of the bullied. Oh, good for her. But in adolescence, the impact of the fetal alcohol syndrome It was it impaired her judgment and her decision making. Uh, And this started leading to risky behavior. Gotcha. Quote, she made lots and lots of friends and lots and lots of those friends made poor decisions. Mm. End quote. Wow. Brianna developed problems with drugs. As a young adult, she spent time at a place called Covenant House. She would couch surf rather than living at home where there were rules.
1: Hmm. I bet that didn't go over.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Resistance against rules and authority is another common attribute of people with F.A.S.D. All right. She could also be overly trusting and thought everyone was her new best friend.
1: Not a good combo.
0: In recent months, Brianna had been hanging out in town square. She was what her family friend Don Valley calls, quote, home free, end quote, which is essentially being homeless by choice. Gotcha. Brianna's mom tried to get her daughter to seek treatment for her addiction, but Brianna thought she could do it on her own. And according to her mom, Brianna would say, quote, I'm going to get clean, I'm going to get help, I'm going to do it this time, end quote. Hmm. But she was never ready for treatment. She loved singing and she wrote music and poetry.
1: So she was a creative.
0: She was very creative.
1: Yeah, Sounds like
0: it. Jason Netter Sr. had an extensive criminal history he pleaded guilty to a felony drug charge in 2014, according to public records. There's not much more about him other than a series of addresses in Anchorage apartments, different apartments. Right. The state once sought child support on behalf of his two children. One appears to have changed their name. But according to his friends on the street, he was kind and funny, and he loved being outside. He moved to Alaska, and once he arrived, he stopped working. Hmm. He was homeless. Okay. He had lots of friends, and according to one of them, he slept in a junkyard just off the Ship Creek Trail.
1: Wow. I Slept in a junk. I mean, this is in Alaska, didn't it?
0: This is in Alaska. Didn't it
1: get a little chilly?
0: Well, you would think, but apparently there's a pretty large homeless population really? there. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But he had a reputation for running his mouth. (laughs) And according to his buddy Jason, he was a meth and heroin user, spice, which is synthetic marijuana, real weed, and he liked booze. Mm. His mouth would get him into trouble, according to one of his former homeless buddies. And Jason would walk out of his way to go to the soup kitchen so he wouldn't have to pass people he didn't get along with. (laughs) Okay. In short, Jason... Had enemies.
1: Yeah, I was sorry to say. He wasn't well liked.
0: Well, I think he was just homeless, and he did his own thing, and he didn't just have friends. He had enemies, too.
1: Just didn't care.
0: But many think Jason had taken Brianna under his wing, like he was protecting her on the streets. Don't know if that's true or not. Okay. That morning, July 3rd, 2016, someone who was camping nearby was walking their dogs and heard six shots. Mm-hmm. Now, Ship Creek is an industrial area in the eastern part of Anchorage. There are not that many people there in the early morning hours. It's pretty quiet. Right. Another woman was riding her bike on the trail just after 7 a.m. that same morning. And as she's crossing a bridge on the trail, a man says to her, quote, Hey, there's two dead bodies on the trail down there, so be careful, whoa. end quote. whoa. She rides her bike a little bit farther and happens upon two dead bodies on the trail. She calls nine one one and tells them blood is coming out of the girl's head and quote the guy is definitely dead end quote. Wow! It's Brianna Foise and Jason Netter Senior. Wow. Okay. And when this biker finds the bodies, they're still warm. So it, so just, it just happened. happened. Yeah. Okay. Police arrive. Sergeant Salamir Markowitz and Lieutenant John McKinnon. on the scene they find the bodies on the trail they both have ids both were shot in the torso so a body shot and then also to the head the shooter knew what he was doing yeah and police are wondering why was this a robbery were these two missing anything yeah and more than anything it seemed a random act of violence very random
1: yeah i mean they were just two homeless people yeah yeah they didn't have anything you do want to steal
0: exactly exactly right there are no shell casings at the scene so maybe the killer used a revolver they do find one bullet that struck a nearby fence post near the trail where the bodies are found police question the woman who made the 911 call and she tells them about the guy who warned her and that there were bodies
1: yeah i was going to ask you about him
0: Yeah, and and they were still warm. So why didn't he call 911? Yeah. And when they asked her for a description, she couldn't give them one. He was wearing a hoodie, Mm. but she really didn't see his face. Gotcha. There are no surveillance cameras on the trail. So they draw a circle a little bit larger outside the trail area to look for cameras. And a couple blocks away was an electrical company that's right next to the trail. Okay. On the corner of the electrical company's building was a camera that faced the correct direction, but is way too far away to see anything. Right. But they hoped that he would at least walk in front of the camera. And at 7.40 a.m., when the bodies are found by the woman, they could see a guy on CCTV walking along the Ship Creek Trail. Mm. He's walking toward the trail. It's really far away. So they can't see a face. It's right. very grainy. Right. But he's tall. So they assume he's a male.
1: You know, I always wonder, you see these CC cameras, you know, the bank cameras and things like We have the greatest technology in the world. We have, we have you know, Zoom cameras and Logitech and all this stuff. Yeah. But the big companies have these cameras that have the worst picture possible. They're grainy, they're black mm-hmm. and white. I'm like, mm-hmm. could you just spend an extra $100 and get a camera that Get a more-
0: decent camera? Oh, my God. I, I to- kind of blame the security system companies because why aren't they only giving, it, you know, great cameras? It's just,
1: okay. Anyway. Isn't
0: that the point? The, put a ring camera up. Yeah. You can see more with that.
1: I've got an old iPhone if you want it. <laughs> anyway, go ahead.
0: But they see this guy walking. He's tall. He's definitely a man. And they're thinking, this is our killer. Yeah. And police slow this footage down. They look at it frame by frame, but no face is visible, just like Rob is saying. Yeah.
1: He looked like Sasquatch.
0: He does kind of look like Sasquatch. (laughs) I'll post a little video of it. (laughs) But they look closer to see if there's anything else other than he's tall. He's got a tan backpack. He's wearing a hoodie. He's got this hat over his head. Don't know if he's a killer or just a witness. Right. But they want to talk to him. Sure. They take a screenshot. They give it to all the patrolmen. They give it to all the business owners in the area. And they pass it along to the media because they want somebody to come forward and say, yeah, I know that guy with the tan, the tall guy with the tan backpack. Hmm. They have to notify the families, and they find out that Jason's family in Alameda, California, has not they haven't heard from him in a long time. Right. And Brianna wasn't a name that his family knew, so they think, like I said before, that he took her under his wing and tried to protect her. This is according to Jason's sister. Okay. Now, after the release of the photo... There were some leads, but nothing that panned out. And the police really have nothing.
1: They did make one arrest, but it turned out to be Bigfoot. So they had to let him go.
0: <laughs> they didn't even arrest. And I think in Alaska, he's a Yeti.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. My bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, but they don't have, the police have nothing. Right. And it really seems like these these murders are just random. Somebody just felt like shooting two people. Wow. The bullets recovered from the body and the fence posts were from a Colt. Python 357.
1: Mm, man, that's a big gun. It is that's a cannon.
0: So they run this bullet information through the national database, which will show them other crimes that have been committed with the 357 Colt Python. Okay. They just want to see if anything else matches. Sure, there's no match. Right, not another crime with this gun. It was simply an unprovoked killing. But again, the police have absolutely nothing. Wow. 26 days later, July 29th, 3 a.m., 21-year-old Travion Kendall Thompson has left his mother Mandy's house after coming home from work. He's hopping on his bike to ride to his aunt and uncle's house, Randy and Jude Andrews, because he's house-sitting. Okay. Now, they live between Boland Street and Dubin Avenue, and he's got to go to this house because they have a dog. Hmm. So he's going there to let out the dog.
1: He's a dog sitter.
0: Trey, or full name, Travion Kendall Bobby Dwayne Thompson, was born on March 25th, 1995 in Anchorage.
1: That's the way it works up in Alaska now. Down south would be Billy Bob Joe.
0: That's true. (laughs) Billy Joe Jim Bob. There you go. He wasn't a gang member. He was smart and caring. He's a good kid. No drugs, no guns. When he wasn't working, he liked to play computer games. And according to his cousin, Adias... Quote, as big as he was and as tough as he wanted to seem, he was a big jokester with a big heart. He was a big nerd, end quote. <laughs>
1: He's a teddy bear.
0: I love nerds.
1: <laughs> That's why she married me.
0: And I also, well, we fit together, honey. Yeah. Nerd one and nerd two.
1: <laughs> We're like peas and carrots.
0: We are peanut butter and jelly. Yes. Trey took a different route than his father, Bobby Thompson, who was serving time for drugs and weapons charges, mm. 365 miles away in Fairbanks, Alaska.
1: Okay. That's got foreshadowing. Oh, here we go.
0: Around 3 a.m., there are multiple people in the neighborhood who hear shots, and there are multiple people who call 911 to say, there's a young man lying in the road in front of a driveway. Yeah. There's a pool of blood surrounding him. Hmm. Trey has been shot in the torso, another body shot, and the head. And it's very accurate Mm. and very similar to the murders on the trail. Just
1: execution style. Yeah,
0: Yeah. There are no shell casings. And police are thinking, is somebody hunting people?
1: Yeah. Sounds like it.
0: And remember, Alaska has had its share of serial killers, all people I plan on covering. Robert Hansen hunted Anchorage women in the 70s and 80s. He killed 17 women and Mm. raped even more. Joshua Wade in 1994 admitted to killing four people. And Israel Keyes used Alaska as his home base to plan his murders there and in other states. Wow. So did they have another serial killer? Yeah. Because that's three bodies and that's all it takes. Yeah. But the Ship Creek Murders... There are no witnesses. Mm. And this is a neighborhood. Yeah. Now, granted, it's three in the morning, but this is Alaska. Sure. The area where Trey is shot down is a woodsy East Anchorage neighborhood where on this particular night, there are three 13-year-old girls having a sleepover. And they're up way past midnight, and they're still playing outside because it's midnight in the Alaskan summer. Yeah. And the sun doesn't really set. (laughs) Yeah. So when... The New Year starts when it kicks off in Alaska. There are only about four and a half hours of sunlight. Wow. The sun will rise at almost 11 a.m. and set at like 3.15 p.m. Wow. But in the summer months of June, July, and August and September, there are 17 to 21 hours of daylight.
1: Man, can you imagine being a kid? That would be awesome.
0: Yeah, come home <laughs> when it gets dark. You just never come home. <laughs> And on July 29th, 2016, I looked this up. The sun was rising about 4.30 a.m. and setting 21 hours later. Gee whiz. So 21 hours of sunlight in Alaska at this time. Wow. And these girls see someone standing under a light pole by a fire hydrant. And there are a lot of homeless people from the woods that linger in this neighborhood because it backs up to the woods where these homeless people live.
2: All right.
0: But then a second guy appears. It's Trey. He's on his bike. He's riding down the street. And the girls hear the gunfire. They rush back to the window in the living room. They see Trey fall to the ground. And the other guy just pushes Trey's body aside, picks up the bike, and rides away. Wow. And the girls could see the gun in his pocket. And the girls open the door to see if the shooter had killed this guy on the bike. And he had. He died yards from the front door of his aunt-uncle's house. Oh, no. It's Trey. Wow. So police knock on doors in the neighborhood. What did you see or hear? And Trey is dead right in front of the driveway of his of his family members. Right. So the police knock on that door, but no one answers. But what they see is a surveillance camera mounted to the front of the house. Uh oh. Okay. A camera. Nerdy Trey had just fixed for his aunt and uncle.
1: Good for him. How about that? I bet it's got a better picture than the CZ cameras.
0: Not really. I've seen the footage and I will post it. But yeah. Okay. Now, since nobody's home, they get a search warrant for the camera and the video, because if it's there and if it's working, it has captured the entire murder. Wow. They notify the mother of Trey. She's distraught. Can't believe it. He was a good boy. He was a nice person. Who would want him dead? Yeah. Why was he a victim? His mother said that he had ridden his bicycle from her house, but there's no bike at the scene. It was a yellow mountain bike with certain stickers, not something that would blend in easily. Right. And so the police are thinking, find the bike, find a suspect. Sure. Later the next day, they get their search warrant for the home with the camera. Police get the surveillance system They're looking for their killer. They wanted the whole murder on the tape. And the Bowling Street camera contains footage. Lots of it. Mm. There's a person walking at the top of the screen. It's a man. At the top right corner of the footage, they can see the man shooting Trey on camera. Wow. He just walks up to him, hands in his pockets, and then the gun comes out of his right front pocket. Trey's riding his bicycle toward him. The man shoots him several times. He puts the gun back in his pocket. Then he gets on the bicycle and he just leaves. He was. He rides away on Trey's bike like nothing ever happened.
1: That is cold.
0: Yeah. Well, the teenage girls were considered heroes because it was light out mm-hmm. and they saw the killer. Right. They could see him and they told the police what he looked like.
1: Got eyewitnesses now.
0: And using an FBI sketch artist, they created a composite of the killer. And the girls described him to the artist. He's tall. He's dirty blonde hair. It's scraggly blonde hair just above his shoulders. So he
1: wasn't wearing a hoodie this time.
0: No. Uh He was wearing a camouflage jacket, workers' boots, and a hat, Hmm. not a hoodie. Okay. He kept looking straight ahead and was walking really slow. Like a Yeti, Rob.
1: <laughs> always like imagine, a Bigfoot. I always imagine Will Ferrell and Elf.
0: <laughs> exactly. And he does kind of have a stride like that because you can see it. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because when police start analyzing the footage, they see the flash from the muzzle of the gun. And it's big. Wow. And the police are thinking, big like a three hundred fifty seven Colt Python. Yeah. And just like Rob was saying, it's a gun with a really long barrel. Yeah. So like for... A snub nose, like a short gun, like a snub nosed revolver is short. Yeah. So think Kevin Hart,
2: <laughs> and a colt
0: python is like Boban Marjanovic, yeah, the tallest guy that's playing in the NBA right now, yeah, seven four, yeah. long barrel, yep. short barrel. Yep. But they can't ID a face because just like Rob talks about the surveillance footage, <laughs> they can't see his face. Sure, but they release the sketch that they got from the little girls. And a photo of Trey's bike, hoping that somebody in the public will see it and be able to identify the killer. And they need to do it fast because they know yeah. this guy's going to kill again. Yeah. The autopsy comes in and the ballistics show, it was indeed the same gun used to kill Brianna and Jason and now Trey. So 100%, it's the same guy. Sure. He's hunting people. He's doing it randomly. So the general public is in a bit of a panic <laughs> because... Anybody could be the next victim. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no special place where he picks his victims or why he picks his victims. They got lots of tips. 175 tips to be exact. Wow. Trey's mother goes out on her own to look for her son's killer. And when I read that, I thought, yeah, that's every mother. Mama bear. If you guys aren't going to look for him, I'm going to go look for him. Absolutely. She calls the police and said that she saw a man on what she thought was Trey's bike. He rode it into an area that's kind of like a homeless camp that's just a few blocks away from where Trey was murdered. So police go to this homeless camp and they see the bike and they seize the bike. And then they find this tree stump nearby just a few yards away from a tent where the bike is parked. And inside the tree stump, the police find a revolver. Mm. But it's not a Colt Python. Okay. So they bring the guy who's living in this tent into the police station. He has no idea what the police are even doing with him or what they're talking about. Right. And this guy is an ex-police officer from New York. Oh, wow. He quit, got out of law enforcement, and was now living off the grid in the Alaskan woods.
1: Oh, wow. So he was total innocent bystander.
0: He just had nothing to do with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so he's like, yeah, guys, I was a police officer, too. I hated it. I got out. Hmm. Yeah, I have this bike, but it's not the same bike. Gotcha. Police go back and look at the Boland Street footage where Trey is murdered, and what they see is that the killer isn't really shooting the way a cop would shoot or how a cop is trained to shoot. Right. Cops use what's called the weaver stance, which is how I was taught to shoot in my, all my classes. Mm-hmm. Both hands are on the gun. You make like a triangle with your shoulders and your chest and your hands so you can control your weapon better. Gotcha. And if you're me shooting a gun, you really need to control your weapon better because the kickback is what you're not expecting when you first start to learn to shoot a gun in class. Because
1: you're just a little <laughs> bit.
0: Yeah. My instructor's like, you're never going to kill anybody. <laughs> you got no hope. No, actually, I did really well. I'm good at the target. Yep. That's it, though.
1: Yep. That's why I always take the dishes out of the dishwasher.
0: And the trash then out the trash, the trash out of can. The, every
1: night, religiously.
0: Ugh, not true. <laughs> but this killer is shooting with one hand. And on top of that, the gun the ex-officer had wasn't a match to the murder weapon. And the revolver was so old and rusty, it hadn't even been shot in years. It didn't even work.
1: Now, was it his revolver, though?
0: I think it was his revolver. Right. But it's not a working weapon. Yeah. So it's another dead end. And the bikes didn't even match. Gotcha. And the ex-cop, his bike was a 10-speed. And Trey's is a mountain bike mm-hmm. with bigger tires. It's much shorter sure. to the ground. yeah. yeah. Another four weeks pass and the police are no closer to finding a killer. They don't even have a suspect. Hmm. What they have is this sketch, and the police have done some math after seeing the Bolin Street footage and they believe their suspect is six three. Hmm. Their killer is six foot three. Right. How tall is James?
1: He's six three. He's six three. Yeah.
0: Then on the morning of August twenty-eighth, twenty sixteen, a woman who's in the Valley of the Moon Park. All of all of their places are so beautifully, yeah, referred to Valley of the Moon Park. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: it's a park that's just in the middle of Anchorage. It's a favorite park of the people who live there, and a woman happens upon a body. Hmm. It's twenty five year old Bryant who goes by Bree De Hassan. Okay, Bree was a local environmental activist. Really. Born Bryant Casey in 1990, Bree worked in rural Alaska at the Myers Farm and developed an interest in permafrost gardening, traveling by backpack through Iceland and Austria. He wanted to go learn more. Nice. And Bree's parents, Lisa and Gordon, were actually divorced, but Bree also had a stepfather, Steve Wirtz. And Bree had a brother and sister from his stepfather and a biological brother and sister. Okay. Bree attended West Anchorage High School before traveling across the world to study agriculture. And Bree's father said they had ridden on that trail a hundred times. Bree's father said Bree was really gracious and quote a near perfect human end quote. Mm. And I thought, what a wonderful thing to say about yeah. your son or anybody. Yeah. Bree was doing a late night bike ride on a new Schwinn to meet a friend.
2: Okay.
0: He's got a brand new bike and he wants to take it out. Sure. Police believe Bree was traveling down the trail and was shot from a distance, twice in the back. Bree's bike was still attached to the body. Mm. This bike trail is apparently part of the same bike trail where Brianna and Jason were murdered in Ship Creek. Okay. Nearby is 34-year-old Kevin Turner. Kevin is sitting at a picnic table. He has his socks in his hands and his shoes are off. Like maybe he was changing his shoes or something. Right. Nothing looked like he had provoked anyone, but he suffered from schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. He was homeless at the time. He had not fared well at assistant living facilities. He'd been in and out of the court system since he was 19. And in 2008, after a theft and DUI charge, he took part in Anchorage's mental health court. Okay. Okay. After a 2009 felony theft, he periodically broke probation when he would fail to take his prescribed medication or return home to an assisted living facility where he was staying.
1: Which is kind of normal for a lot of schizophrenics. It it is. They feel like they're getting better so they don't have to take their medication and then they spiral down
0: again. The run-ins with the law enforcement and stints in criminal court really stemmed from Kevin's mental health issues. Medication helped him avoid trouble. But he'd either been kicked out of or run away from the multiple assistant living homes that he was in. Kevin Turner told his brother, Billy Ray, he wasn't treated well at one of the homes, and he decided to leave the Henry House Transitional Shelter in Anchorage about a month before he is murdered. Right? He leaves after missing his morning medication twice. Hmm.
1: Not a good thing.
0: That was his last residence before he started living on the streets. Most recently in a tent with two older men, quote, a couple of blocks from the park, end quote. All right. He was born in Dillingham and moved to Anchorage with his two brothers and one sister in 1990. Kevin's biological parents took kids from foster care into their home, and there were about a dozen foster kids who lived in their house over the years. So what a wonderful parent. I mean, his parents are amazing. Yeah. Kevin's younger brother said his brother was kind and loving, even to people he'd just met. He served as his little brother Billy Ray's protector when they were kids. Quote, he was my hero on more than one occasion, end quote.
1: Wow. Sounds like he was a good guy who just had, had problems.
0: Yeah. Yeah. These were two people minding their own business. Yeah. And there was no relation between the two. Yeah. There were no shell casings. It was all either on the bike trail or near the bike trail in this pavilion where Kevin is sitting at this picnic table.
1: You know, it sounds like somebody that uh, actually is pretty smart because they're being very careful and very calculated with their crimes. So someone of above average intelligence, maybe?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. 6'3".
1: That's 6'3". Mm-hmm. Has maybe. blonde, shaggy
0: hair. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I don't know. All right.
0: But police have nothing to go on. They definitely have a serial killer. Right. The police only have the ballistics
2: Hmm.
0: and the knowledge that this killer is using a three fifty seven Colt Python. That's all they have. That and a sketch. Yep. They get the ballistics back on the bullets in the bodies of Kevin and Bree, and it's another match to all the other victims. It was the exact same gun that murdered the others. Hmm. And now there are five dead bodies, and police don't know anything more than it's a tall man. Right. That's it. Yeah. And there's nothing at all linking these victims except for the fact that they're all random. Right. So police offer a reward, ten thousand dollars for anyone who comes forward to ID the killer and help solve the case. On what I don't know. Mm -hmm. Now they finally tell the residents of Anchorage to be careful. (laughs) Five dead bodies. (laughs) We want you guys to be careful. Yeah. Now, there's a reason behind this, but still. Okay. They tell them using this online platform called Nixle. Hmm, What's that? Well, it's a service that you opt into, and it gives you alerts on your phone from the local agencies that are around you. But, Nixle, I went to your website, and my browser told me your site uses a connection to submit information that is not secure. So I quietly backed away. Yeah. It, maybe it's more secure if you create an account. Right. But if you're just using their homepage information bar, yeah. Yeah. But regardless, this is what they're using to tell the residents not to be in the parks at night and to be aware of their surroundings and not to travel alone. Right. Well, he kills two people at a time, so I don't know. Do you yeah. need to be in a crowd? Yeah. And the media is like, dude. So when the chief of police is out doing this, this press conference, the media is like, dude, this is a little cryptic. Yeah. You're not. You're kind of telling us a little, but not a whole lot. Right. But the strategy was to inform everybody without giving too much away. Sure. They didn't want the killer to think they're on to me. Right. And all he would have to do is go out and destroy the gun. Yeah. Because the only thing they had that tied anybody together, and to him, was the gun.
1: And he probably knows that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Slav Markowitz is the longest-serving homicide detective on the force in Anchorage, Alaska. The FBI told him to send the warning, but to keep the details secret, which is what the the media is like. Come on. Right, right. But social media was just a (laughs) buzz. And local reporters who knew police officers were hearing that, yes, it is indeed a serial killer. Right. The police have a neighborhood meeting at the Park Valley of the Moon where the last two bodies are found. And the general public is invited and the people are not happy. And they're asking, they're out and out asking, is there or is there not a serial killer on the loose in Anchorage?
1: Yeah, give us some info here.
0: Yeah. And they won't say that there is. Right. And Trey Thompson's mom is fed up. <laughs> You know, she's already gone out. She's found the bike. She wants answers. So she starts going to homeless camps on her own. She goes inside these tents. She's determined to find this guy. Yeah. And she's also following anybody who looks like the composite. She's like a gumshoe out in Anchorage, driving the streets, (laughs) looking for her son's killer.
1: Yeah. Mama bear.
0: In the neighborhood of Airport Heights, she thinks she sees him. He kept staring at her, and she felt like it was him. She took photos. Aunt Randy, the one he was house-sitting for,
2: right.
0: one day a man starts living across the street from them, and he approaches her and says, quote, sorry for your loss, end quote.
1: Mm-mm. Okay.
0: It was James Ritchie yeah. trying to console her. Wow. Now, a man named Richard Reyos lives in Airport Heights. He sees James riding Trey's bike. And James looked at Richard and smiled. And Richard said he got a horrible feeling, like, this guy is evil. Yeah. So he called the police, and they took his call, but it went in the pile with the other 175 tips. Really? Yeah.
1: Even though he's reported that that was the bike? Yeah. Wow. I just
0: think, I think... Things get really confusing, and I think they just, they lose things. They
1: were just so inundated. We've heard about this a
0: million times in cases where a lead just gets buried, and somebody calls and says, I told you this. I called at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's who the FBI profilers say it is. Two of the murders happened in places frequented by homeless, so probably someone on the fringe of homelessness and someone who has mental health issues. Well, I think Trey's mom could've told you that. Yeah, She's yeah. not part of the FBI.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking anyone that murders several people probably has some mental health issues.
0: They got they ain't he ain't right. I already told you. I diagnosed him at the beginning.
1: Uh I could be an FBA profiler.
0: Yeah. But something that the FBI does know is that serial killers like to watch and listen so they keep the ballistics reports confidential. Gotcha. They wanna act like they don't know he's using the same gun. Sure. After two months and a six-mile radius of where the killer is murdering people with the same weapon and all they have is ballistics and this sketch, it's going to be a chance encounter, a random encounter that solves this case. Really? Yes.
1: Okay. And what might that be?
0: Two and a half months later, on November twelfth, 2016, it's 4.34 in the morning, downtown Anchorage, and police are looking for a woman who got dropped off at a hotel, but didn't pay for her cab. And the cabbie called the police. It's called cab fraud. Mm-hmm. Can't do that.
1: It's kind of like Dine and Dash.
0: It's like Dine and Dash. <laughs> only this was Riding Dash. Right. 38-year-old Officer Arne Sallow is looking for her in this area. He's driving around looking for her. But he happens upon a man walking down the street in work boots, a camouflage jacket, and a cap Uh uh-oh it's a tall guy (laughs) and he's gonna ask this guy have you seen this woman i mean it's early in the morning there's really nobody else on the street sure i will post the dash cam footage in the show notes but he pulls over flashes his lights and siren and says can you stop please stop but the guy the tall guy in the camouflage jacket he just keeps walking So Officer Sallow keeps following him and he gets on the car's megaphone and tells him, quote, this is the Anchorage police you need to stop, end quote. Yeah. And the man turns around and starts walking to the police cruiser. When he gets close, he opens fire on Officer Sallow, shooting him four times. Arn Sallow gets out of the cruiser after being shot four times and begins to exchange gunfire. With James. Wow. He's firing off shots of his own after being shot four times. Wow. And on the scene immediately is another officer, Mark Patsky of the K-9 unit. He joins in the gunfight. He fires off shots and hits James in the head. Mm. He's dead. Wow. They rush Officer Arn Sallow to the hospital for a life-saving seven-hour surgery. He had damage to his bones, his muscles, intestines, and liver. The shooter was tall. His weapon, a 357 Colt Python. His mm. name, James Dale Ritchie. There he is. This guy wasn't on anybody's radar. Wow. Now, the Colt Python on James was sent to the Alaska Crime Lab, where it was confirmed to have been the murder weapon. It's the same gun that murdered Brianna Foise, Jason Netter, Trey Thompson, Brita Hewson, and Kevin Turner. Mm. The gun, which was purchased in 1971, wasn't even registered to James, and the owner didn't know how it made it into James's hands.
1: Who was the owner?
0: I never saw. Okay, it never told me who the owner was. Okay, just that he purchased it in 1971.
1: Mm.
0: Somebody's taking care of the gun. Yeah. In April 2017, five months after James is shot, police finally confirmed to the public that James was the killer of all five. Mm and when Trey Thompson's father Bobby sees the news he can't believe it James was his brother Quincy's best friend wow there were photos of James Richie holding Trey when he was a baby oh, he man. murdered one of his best friends child wow yeah and the grandson of a woman who took him in all the time mm. who considered him another son wow now nobody knows Whether or not if he knew he was shooting Trey Thompson, or if it was just an unfortunate coincidence. Right. And Officer Arne Sallow? Well, Arne and James were at East Anchorage High School at the same time. (laughs) Arne was a freshman when James was a senior. Wow. It's a very small world. Yeah. Yep. Police get a search warrant for James' home where they find... 18 shell casings from the Colt Python that are neatly stored in the closet, and police could account for each and every bullet he fired because he kept the shell casings, which matched the murders.
1: Those were his little trophies. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That was their evidence that he was responsible. Wow. When authorities interviewed his roommate, he tells them that James thought he could change the weather and he could decide who lives or dies. Wow. Interestingly enough, Lieutenant John McKinnon's theory was that James wanted to be like one of the characters on The Walking Dead. Really? Deputy Rick Grimes, who's played by Andrew Lincoln, who carried a 357 Colt Python and shot zombies mm. in the head. Jeez!
1: Wow. Yeah, there there's some serious mental issues there. Yeah. Yeah, wow.
0: So why did James Ritchie kill? Well, he takes it to the grave with him. Hmm. James Dale Ritchie's murders have been compared to other unsolved homicides in states where James was known to have lived or traveled, including Virginia, Nevada, and Washington. So far, they haven't had a match. Wow. But that is the story of James Dale Ritchie. And that's all I have to say about that. Hey, hitch to homicide listeners. This is Chris Calvert. I love doing research and writing about real crimes, but I also love writing about fictional people who commit horrible atrocities. When you're ready to take a break from true crime for fictional crime, go to ChrisCalvert.com where you'll find all my books, including some free ones to get you started. Jane Doe is one badass chick who quietly hunts terrorists in the United States. The Sex and Lies books are all FBI and CIA cases with a little romance on the side. And coming summer 2022, book 10 in the series, Sex, Lies, and Rock and Roll releases. You can find all of these books everywhere. And if you like to listen instead of read, you can find them all on Audible. So go grab a free book or take a listen. I love all the characters I've written. I've given them pain, ruined their lives, make them suffer, and maybe even throw in a heroic death. Or maybe they live to fight another day. Check it all out at chriscalvert.com. And thanks for being a listener of Hitched to Homicide.
1: You know, it always makes me wonder. I mean, there's a lot of people with mental issues, you know, that are physical, mental issues that aren't murderers what causes a person to have the propensity to murder people when they do have mental issues like that? Yeah, I mean, there's no rhyme or reason to any of it.
0: There isn't, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason. There are lots of people who are schizophrenic and there are even people who think that they, you know, they can talk to the trees or control the weather, but you know, they're not out there with a Python.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, all right. Well, let's move away from that. That was pretty heavy and go to a little bless your heart. All right. The first one we have today, I'm calling a very sweet criminal.
0: I love how you name these. Yeah. You give them titles. I know. You live with an author. It's nice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The bank robber passed a mint to the teller, then demanded the mint from the bank. Does that make sense at all?
0: Like a peppermint patty kind a of mint? chocolate mint. Okay. Yeah.
1: That's pretty much how police say a bank robbery went down at a bank of the West Branch in southeast Portland. According to police and federal agents, <laughs> Daniel Allen Butler handed a teller an Andes mint with this note, take the chocolate, act normal, give me 50s.
0: Rob loves Andes <laughs> mint. I do, I do. When you said that, I was like, I even thought I should have said Andy's instead of a peppermint patty. Uh,
1: well, he was arrested and the rest is history. No. <laughs> Take
0: the mint. Give me, Give me 50s. 50.
1: At least he was trying to be nice about it.
0: Well, I wonder if he had fresh breath. Yeah. And I wonder if he <laughs> ate one on the way there. He
1: probably did. Yeah. Just, just yeah. yeah. Okay. Number two, a smooth criminal.
0: Like Michael Jackson?
1: I knew
0: you were going to do that. Yep. I know him so well, people. It's like we're married or something. Yeah,
1: it's weird. The Pittsburgh Post-Gazette reported that in 2017, Durkin scored a court date. That's his name, Durkin. Durkin. Uh Uh-huh, Durkin. (laughs) What does it remind you of?
0: Durka, Durka.
1: (laughs) Durkin scored a court date with a Pennsylvania judge after driving with a suspended license. Okay. Now, during his hearing, he noticed some random dude in the room and thought, I bet I could sell that guy some Suboxone. Okay. And those are pills. And in case you're wondering, it's a highly addictive drug prescribed to treat opiate addiction. Oh, okay. Yeah. Durkin, Durka Durka, Durkin (laughs) eagerly accepted his own wager and tried to make the deal. Durka Durka. A sheriff noticed the interaction and immediately told Durkin to beat it. See what I did there?
0: Beat it. your michael jackson reference after the podcast's over everybody like go listen to some michael jackson
1: exactly now after durkin presumably fight danced out of the courtroom
0: fight danced yeah you
1: know beat it (laughs) (laughs) out of the courtroom the random dude reported the offer to the officer sure enough (laughs) when the sheriff entered the hallway he found durkin waiting with two doses of suboxone Durkin should have just moonwalked home when he Oscar.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: <laughs> I can't even say because I'm laughing. <laughs> Durkin should have just moonwalked home when the officer asked him to leave. Instead, he tried to be a smooth criminal and stuck around, resulting in an even smoother drug bust.
0: I'm just amazed at how you <laughs> so brilliantly were weaving that thing well, together. I
1: like Michael. <laughs>
0: You like Michael's music.
1: Yeah, I like Michael's (laughs) music. All right, number three. I didn't see that coming. Okay. And this one's in Britain. And per the Manchester Evening News, the incident occurred on the fateful Friday in June. It was technically the 12th, but this Friday behaved more like the 13th where the criminals were concerned. Okay. Sometime before 2 a.m., the thieves kidnapped a car in the city of Salford and ran off with it to Middleton, located 15 miles away. To be clear, they didn't literally run away with car, but they might as well have, since the actual escape proved even stupider.
0: Stupider? (laughs) Mm -hmm. More stupid. (laughs) Just stupider.
1: (laughs) Ostensibly hoping to keep a low profile, the pair attempted to stash their mechanical conquest in an underground parking lot. But in a moment of cosmic justice and criminally bad planning... The witless bandits unwittingly chose a police station as their hiding spot. After being thwarted by the lot security gate, the thieves tried to make a hasty retreat, only to be intercepted by officers on their way to the station. Police roundedly ridiculed the criminals on Facebook, calling them Britain's dumbest criminals. (laughs) Considering their line of work, that's really saying something.
0: (laughs) I think they call it a car park. Do they? Yeah. We call it a garage. They call it a car park. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because I remember a Brit actually corrected me when I was in London.
1: Gotcha. Mm -hmm. The bonnet and hood.
0: Yeah. Those Americans. Come on. (laughs) If you're going to be there, use the language, right?
1: Well, there's our bless your hearts for this week.
0: Well, if you have a bless your heart or you know somebody who wants to rob a bank with a mint.
1: Yeah, make sure it's dark chocolate because that's healthier.
0: (laughs) Go to -to HitchToHomicide.com. There's a pull-down menu. You can also suggest a case. Like I said before at the beginning, we're getting tons of them. I love them. Keep them coming. We're going to get to as many of them as we can. And a lot of them are already on the list. Yes. There's a big old list. That's all we have today. That's my amazing husband out there. And that's
1: my beautiful bride in the booth.
0: Join us next time on Hitch to Homicide.
1: Bye, y'all.